welcome to the Elevate Live podcast channel. We hope this sermon encourages and inspires you so you can go and grow to your next level. For more information about our church, please visit our website, elevate.life. Enjoy the message. Thank you for uh, being here today. Pastor Keith already said thank you for braving the storm and everything else that's happening in our world today. And if you're watching online, thank you as well for, you know, whatever you're doing. And, uh... Uh, today I was gonna I was gonna start by playing you a video from the movie Bambi, um, where where uh, Bambi's mom says t- says to Thumper the rabbit she says, um, what did what did your father tell you? And Thumper the rabbit says what? You've seen Bambi? No one's seen Bambi in this room. Like we don't watch Disney movies, we can't play it. But what does what does Thumper say? Thank you, Pastor Krista has seen Bambi. If y'all want to know the plot summary of Bambi. If you don't have anything nice to say, okay, some of y'all seen Bambi. If, if you haven't, it's a Disney movie. You should check it out. It's not really a Christmas movie. You guys might be hanging out there, but, you know, Bambi's, you know, more likable than the Grinch anyway. Um, the, reason, the reason why we didn't get to play the video is because they told me that, uh, this is crazy, on live streams now, they can check for copyrighted video on live streams. So they could actually shut down our live stream for playing a copyrighted video like that. It's crazy. So that's why we didn't play it because we wanted the live stream, pe- this live streaming people to be able to participate in the service. Thank you, Dad. So, <laughs> so today I'm talking to you. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it. Um, I once heard a oh my picture didn't make it. Well, maybe it did. Nope. I once heard a picture. I once heard a story of a hunter who bought a bird dog, uh, the only one of its kind in the world. This bird dog could walk on water. He couldn't believe his eyes when he saw this miracle. At the same time, he was he was very pleased that he could show off his new acquisition to his friends. He invited a friend to go duck hunting, and after some time, they shot a few ducks. And the man ordered his dog to go fetch the birds. All day long, the dog ran on water and kept fetching the birds. The owner was expecting a comment or compliment about his amazing dog, but never got one. As they were returning home, he asked his friend if he'd noticed anything unusual about his dog. His friend replied, yeah, I did notice something unusual. Your dog can't swim. (laughs) So that's a good one, huh? So in Luke chapter 1, last week we talked about Mary. We talked about the, the power of our thinking and how we should maybe approach gifts that, are, that we don't ask for. In, in Luke chapter 1, a little bit earlier in that chapter, we're talking about the stories of Christmas. And I love talking about Zechariah. The past few years, I feel like when I've talked around Christmas, I've talked about Zechariah because this is just a really interesting story to me. Um, um, a lot of times, like I said last week, we can look at the characters in the Bible and imagine that these people aren't human, but that they're characters in a story that we're reading. Um, these people were very clearly human beings. They had the same kind of uh, thought processes and approaches to life that we do. They had the same way of, of uh, interacting with each other that, that we do. And so if we look at Luke chapter 1, um, let me set the stage of the context here. So in ancient Israel, in that time in history, there was one temple in the whole country where everyone had to go to bring a sacrifice to offer to God. And, and these... these, uh, these priests, like a guy named Zechariah, like this guy we're talking about, there were 18,000 of these priests, and each, each one of them would, or one of them every day, twice a day at 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. would go into the temple to offer a sacrifice uh, to God. 
And so Zechariah is one of these 18,000 priests. And if you were a priest, you only got to do it one time, your whole life. The rest of the time, you were just basically taking care of the temple. But your whole life, you only got to go inside of the temple and offer a sacrifice one time. So, so this is a significant moment in Zechariah's career. This is the peak of his career as, as a priest. And so he walks in, he walks in, the Bible tells us he walks into the building, he gets chosen to go into the building. He walks into the temple, we'll pick up the story right there. It says, while Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. This was the opposite, this is kind of like different than Mary, right? Mary was disturbed and confused. Zechariah kind of knew what was happening, that all of a sudden God had showed up. Priests back then uh, would actually wear bells on their, on their uh, clothing so that people could hear them walking around because God uh, would, would kill people that were in the room. So in Zechariah's mind, if the angel shows up, it's like, dude, I'm, I'm dead now, right? So, God, so if the bells stopped ringing, they knew to pull, and they had a string attached to their leg. This is a true, true thing that happened. Um, if the bell stopped ringing, that, mean the pri- that meant the priest probably got killed by God, and uh, we need to just pull him out of the room and not go in there. So, so the angel shows up to Zechariah. Zechariah is overwhelmed with fear. The angel says, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayers. Wow. Your wife, um, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth, and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. He will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. So Zechariah hears all this, right? This, this is very similar to the story of Mary that we talked about last week. Zechariah hears this crazy thing that this angel's saying to him, talking to him. And he goes, how can, how can I be sure this will happen? Like you're talking, if an angel showed up to you and I today, it's like, hey, like, this is going to happen for you. Would your first thought be like, I don't really know though. Like I feel like if an angel was talking to me face to face and it was like a legit angel, like this was a documented thing happening. I would probably, like, I'm going to take your word for it. You know, like you're an actual angel. You're an ethereal being standing right in front of me talking to me, not like just my friend saying, hey, here's what God's going to do for you. But anyway, Zachariah says, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, and uh, my wife is also well along in years. Not old. She's well along. Then the angel said, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. This is the same angel that's claimed to talk to Mary. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you don't believe what I said, you'll be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. Again, they're concerned for his health. They don't know if he's dead or alive. They're waiting for him to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. When finally he did come out, he couldn't speak to them. Then they realized from his gestures and his silence, he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. So what the priest had to do in that time in history was they would wait outside. The people that lived in the city in in Jerusalem would wait outside the temple every day to be blessed. So the priest would come out and would speak a blessing over the entire nation of Israel. 
And God in this story removes Zechariah's ability to do the thing that he feels like he's called to do uh, because of where Zechariah is at in his mind. So, if you don't ha- so God says to him what Bambi's dad said to Thumper, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it. Like, hey, God, that's cool. You know, thank you. I've been praying. You know, look at Mary, right? She got something she never prayed for. It's like, you're going to be well favored. She's like, okay, I'm down for that, whatever that means. Then Zachariah's been praying for this his whole life, believing God his whole life. What's his response to that? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, probably not though, right? You know, have you seen my wife? She's old. I'm old. What do you mean? We've just, we've basically given up on this thing. And Gabriel's like, okay, I appreciate that, that you've given up, but we're not going to let you, like, let everyone else give up in your life. Uh, and so I'm going to take away your ability to do the thing that you're supposed to do. This is the one time, and I hope you see this, this is the one time in Zechariah's life that he gets to give the blessing to the entire nation. One time, he waited his whole life for this moment. Out of 18,000 priests, he's the guy that's chosen at this particular time to do the thing that he's been waiting to do. This is the most significant moment in his career And because of where he's at, God takes his ability away to do that. And then John the Baptist, as we know, who is his son, who's who's Zachariah and Elizabeth's son, is the cousin of Jesus, goes on to become John the Baptist. Last week we talked about uh, how thinking matters. And why does thinking matter? Because thinking, the way we choose to think about circumstances and situations in our life, even the circumstances and situation in our life that we don't choose determines how we feel about those situations. It'll determine our attitude about those situations. So today we're talking about attitude, because Zachariah's attitude is not right. His attitude is, hey, he prayed for this thing, he believed for this thing. His attitude was so off that God prevented him from talking for nine months. Some, some of us, like if you're like me, <clears throat> and you are a critical person, and you're a little bit more negative, you hope that that never happens to you. Although there are definitely times in my life where that probably should have happened and are times in my life where that probably should happen and everyone in my life would be more grateful if God prevented me from talking for a while and just spewing my negativity all over the place. So what is the attitude? What does it mean to have an attitude? Um, some people like to interpret, like to, like to say the attitude is, is an emotion. Attitude's way more than emotion. You know, uh, behavioral scientists, a lot of behavioral scientists say that we're not always in control 100% of our emotions. Um, but we're in control of our response to those emotions. So in a, in a, uh, most of the time, we should and can have a certain attitude in spite of how we feel. Because there's a lot of feelings that we feel, but our attitude is up to us. So in a plane, you have what's called attitude. Some of you might be into aviation and you might know this. This is all the stuff that goes into the attitude of a plane. You got your pitch, your velocity, your roll, your yaw, your uh, nadir, whatever. Uh, you got all this stuff that goes into the attitude of a plane. It's the attitude of a plane is the orientation of the plane relative to earth, relative to the horizon. There's a horizon of where the sky and the earth meet. It's the orientation of a plane relative to that, to that um, thing. So an attitude is the direction, just let me just simplify it. The attitude is the direction a plane is pointing regardless of what circumstances or situation the plane finds itself in. Inside of a plane, you have what's called an attitude indicator, okay? And an attitude indicator, this is the horizon <clears throat> right here. So, so an attitude indicator will show you where you are relative to the horizon. In, in plane flight, you have what's called IFR, which is 
flying by instrumentation. So sometimes, believe it or not, there are times where people are flying planes and they can't see anything that's going on outside the window. Like you might not have ever known this or seen this. But there are certain times where the weather's bad enough or they can't, they have zero visibility, they can't see anything, and you've got to fly by your instruments. And so what, what can happen is pilots can, 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 go, can be going through a situation where their instincts are telling them to pull up, pull down, you're, you're going to crash, everything bad's about to happen. And what they train pilots is to look at your instruments because your instruments are right. You've got to trust your instruments when you can't see anything. So you've got to trust where you're at, you've got to decide... Because you got to keep your attitude right. So if, if this is the ground, if your attitude's pointing towards the ground, it doesn't matter. Like the conditions might look a certain way. Your altitude is where you are right now. Your attitude's where you're going. So if you point your attitude down, no matter what's happening around you, you're going to hit the ground anyway. But if you can fight to keep your attitude up, then you know that you're not going to hit the ground. So that's, that's what they teach pilots. Okay? And so in our life, we go through life... <clears throat> And so we go, we go, hey, you're causing me to have the attitude that I have. You're causing me to be the way that I am. We go through, we look at circumstances and situations and we decide and we process and we identify the cause of all of our problems. So say, man, I had this problem and this person is the cause of my problem or this thing is the cause of my problem. You know, uh, for those of us who enjoy food, this year hasn't really been... Uh, well, it's been good, but it's been good because we've gotten to probably enjoy a lot more bad food than we have wanted. Now, some of you have been like, Pastor Keith, you just stay disciplined. You rock that, and I so celebrate that. That's probably not where I land most of the time, right? I had a kid this year and quarantine, and that's just a recipe for a lot of things that I want, but at the same time, I don't want the results of that. Like, I'm going to eat a burger every day. I'm going to maybe eat some fried chicken. I'm going to eat pizza. So I've been living that life a little bit. Don't judge me, right? I'm human. So I've been just doing that this whole year. Like you wake up, you're like, wow, 12 months went by. That was really fast. And, uh, you know, (laughs) it's great. I've enjoyed it so much. So I go, so every six months, go to a physical like you do. And uh, I go in on Monday of this week. And they go through my blood work, and they're just confirming the lack of discipline that I've already had. Like, they're just going to tell me, like, I'm praying, God, just do a miracle. Like, let it all look good. I know, I, I know I've messed up, but God, just let it all look good. That way I can just, you know, not get in trouble with my doctor. And um, so they sit down with me. The PA sits down with me at this doctor's office, and they're like, hey, you know, your dad had a heart attack. Both of my grandfathers had heart attacks. And uh, your cholesterol has always been good, but... <laughs> Past six months, it's kind of creeping up there. It's like, man, my LDL is getting up there. So, you know, we have a lot of different philosophies around cholesterol. Just stay with my story. Don't get into all this stuff, okay? So, so, uh, so they say, we're going we're gonna to prescribe you cholesterol medicine. I said, hang on. Like, before, you know, so I, go, I go, what really helps with that? And um, she's like, well, if you just work out and you eat right and you do that in a disciplined manner. And I said, okay. She goes, she goes pretty much. If you just would, if you just work out every day and you eat right most of the time, you won't have to worry about your cholesterol numbers. I said, okay, that's cool. She goes, the reason why we prescribe at this particular doctor's office, the reason why we prescribe people uh, cholesterol medicine is because they're just so undisciplined. And we know that they're not going to work out anyway. And so we might, they might as well just go ahead and take the medicine. And so my suggestion to you is that if you're not going to work out, 
And if you're not going to eat right, just take the medicine so you don't have a heart attack. I said, okay, that makes sense. So it's up to me to, it's up to, me to take the medicine. They've identified the cause of my issue, right? Cause of high cholesterol is diet most of the time for most people. So we, hey, I know the issue. Like I grew up, I had a, I had a grandfather who, uh, who uh, ate horrible his whole life. They're like, hey, you need to stop doing this. You need to stop doing that. Well, he had heart issues his whole life because they're like, hey, if you don't stop, it's just going to make it worse. Yeah, well, you know. So we think that understanding, the reason why I'm saying that is because we think that understanding the cause of our problem actually can help solve it, and it never does. In our life, we go through life, we're like, okay, let me figure out what's causing my issue. I mean, if I can figure out, and we, we, we give all of our effort and energy to figuring out what's, what's the cause of the issue, rather than solving the issue. So I'm just, I'm just I need a diagnosis, I need a diagnosis. And then, and then we, we figure out the cause, but that still doesn't solve the problem. Like, I know the cause of high cholesterol, 100%. Now, am I going to go solve it? I don't know. Yes. <laughs> Pastor Sheila said yes, and, and, and Courtney said yes. I went home. Uh, and, and got my burger on the way home. I'm just kidding. I didn't do that. If you do that, if you do that after you get a report like that, um, I'm concerned for you. Um, you need to stick around our church a little bit. But, but people go through life and they think, okay, I'm processing and I'm just trying to navigate things and I'm trying to get, out of, get, a, get, get, a, get in a better situation so that my attitude can be better. And you don't understand why my attitude is the way that it is. And Zachariah lives in this same space with us where he's got the same perspective. He's like, well, we've been praying and believing for so long and God's not going to show up. And well, finally, God, you show up and have you seen my wife? And do you know where we're at? And do you understand all this different, all this different stuff? So Pastor Keith, here's the way to have a good attitude. I want to give you like one little thought. When I was a kid, uh, there's all these leadershipologies that you guys might read if you, if you subscribe or follow leadershipology comes from like mainly me being an idiot and then Pastor Keith having a conversation with me. So if you read it, if you read them, there's usually a story behind that. So when I was a kid, I was highly ungrateful, very critical, very negative. I still struggle with that today. I struggle with being a cynical person. Um, and so Pastor Keith, I would be like, I would sit down with my dad when I was young and be like, I don't know how to have a good attitude. I don't know how to, man, because like, you know, on a good day, I'm a realist. Now, some people go, I'm not negative, I'm just a realist. No, you're absolutely negative. Norman Vincent Peale in The Power of Positive Thinking said, if you think you're a realist, why don't you take five days off from being a realist and just be positive, and then you'll see how negative you really are. And so I'm a person, I don't even describe myself as a realist. Like, I struggle absolutely with negativity. I'm believing that God's recovering. I'm, I'm, um, I'm, I'm a recovering negative-aholic. And so... Uh, Negaholic, is, that's what he, he called it because he diagnosed it in me. And, you know, hi, I'm Josh. And we pray the serenity prayer every day. So I used to ask Pastor Keith, what, what do I need to do? Like, I want to be positive. No one wants to be a negative person. Some, all of us have different struggles. So the best way to be positive, if you want to move forward and be positive, I'm going to give you the secret right now is just to be grateful. Just find something to be grateful for. It's impossible to be grateful and negative at the same time. If I'm grateful, I can't be negative. Because I'm focusing on the things in my life that I, can be, that I can be grateful for. So where was Zachariah at? He's thinking about all the things that he can't be grateful for. Like, God, this would have been really cool if I wasn't 70 years old having to raise a kid. You know, because I'm past that. I don't want to do that. We're, we've been empty nesters our whole life. We just kind of got a good situation going. Right? 
But his attitude, the, you know, God, <clears throat> but Zechariah wasn't there. So God had to take his voice away so that his voice couldn't and his attitude couldn't affect the whole nation. So Mary shows us how to accept the things we never asked for. We all go through life and we have things we don't ask for. Zechariah shows us how, poor, how poorly we receive the things that we ask for. Like some of us, we've been praying for stuff, believing God for a long time. God, I want this. God, I want that. God, give me patience. God, I just want patience, right? God, God humble, help us be humble. Lord, help us be humble. God, we just want your ways in our life. And then God brings all these different tests. God, you know, I prayed for this. I prayed for this kid. Some of y'all, you all your mind yourself. Those kids you got, you prayed for them, right? God, we prayed for this kid. We believe God. This, this little person here is just messing me up. God, I prayed for a spouse. At one point in my life, I was just believing that one day I'd be married. Like now, I'm like, why did I ever pray for this, right? She got the gold mine, I got the shaft. That's, that's the story sometimes we end up telling ourselves. Right, you need to listen to Jerry Reed. If you've never listened to Jerry Reed, I really would highly recommend him. God, I asked you for patience, but I didn't want this story. So God's, so, so Zachariah's, again, right there. God, I know, man, like we asked for this, but come on. Like, how can I be sure this is going to happen? Because you know what? I've been praying for my whole life. Luke 6, 45, the Bible tells us Jesus goes on and he says, a good person produces good things out of the treasury of a good heart. An evil person, which uh, not, I'm not going to explain the word evil, but it doesn't mean you're evil. It just means you got bad fruit. An evil, an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. Proverbs says, guard your heart above all else for, for it determines the course of your life. Prior to World War II, Viktor Frankl was one of Vienna's most distinguished doctors. He had a wife, family, prestige, and success. The Nazi nightmare changed it all. He spent several years in concentration camps performing slave labor and inhuman tasks. Frankl survived the Nazi horrors, and in his book, Man's Search for Meaning, he describes the horrors and hope of life in a concentration camp, and he said, the last of the human freedoms is to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances to choose one's own way. Dr. Martin Seligman wrote this book called Learned Optimism. If you haven't read it, I really recommend that you do read it. Um, he describes a study that he conducted. <clears throat> he found that negative people get sick more often, are divorced more frequently, and raise kids who get in more trouble. Dr. Seligman even found that negative people make less money. In one long-term study of 1,500 people, 83% of the people took their particular jobs because they believed they could make lots of money. Only 17% of them took their jobs because they happened to loved what, love what they do. 20 years later, the two groups had produced 101 millionaires. So you follow me? 1,500, 83% said, I just need a job. I want to make as much money as I can. 17% said, I just love what I do, and that's why I do what I do. 101 of them became millionaires out of that 100%. The amazing thing is, is that only one of those millionaires came from the 83%. But 100 of them came from the 17%. It's all about how, how you and I decide to think about things, and therefore what we decide our attitude is about things. If I come into work every day, and I hate the people I work with, and I hate my job, and I hate what I do, 
and I'm not valued here, and I'm not this, and I'm not that, what kind of position does that put my attitude in? Am I aiming at the ground or the sky at that point? Just myself. Because an attitude is regardless of the conditions that are going on outside of the plane. Right? Like we all got stuff. There's no job anyone just wants to do all the time. Right? I was, I was talking to someone the other day that had a real passion for a certain thing that uh, they, they went, and went to school for and they got trained in. And they said, I love to do it. But what I found out is that when I get paid to do it, I start to hate to do it. So I didn't tell them. Like Pastor Keith would be like straight up, that's an attitude issue. It's not a job issue. I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. I understand. I don't understand, but I understand the words that you're saying. I don't understand how you feel. Because that's, that's, how so, that's how so many of us go through life. Like we, we really do a lot of times believe that our external situations create our attitude. Like if everything in my life was just perfect, then of course I would have a good attitude. Of course I would, I would act the right way. Uh, but everything starts with our thinking. So if you want to learn about thinking, I talked about it last week. Stick around the church. You're going to hear a lot about thinking. Our, our catchphrase is elevate your thinking, elevate your life. So we're going we're gonna to do both of those things. But our thinking is so important. Why? Because it determines our attitude. Not, way more than how we choose to feel about, us, about situations or circumstances. It, it, it determines uh, what we think is on the other side of this. And if we believe it's really going to happen. And if you and I think that, man, like, is all this really, really going to come together? That's, that's the story of Zechariah. I love what Pastor Keith, this is like, this is Pastor Keith's wheelhouse. We're going to talk about one of Pastor Keith's wheelhouse, positive attitude. It's another, there's another story attached to this, I'm sure, in my life that I can't remember, but he could tell you. The door of your destiny swings on the hinge of your attitude. That, that, that Zachariah and us, okay, we're praying, we're believing for stuff. It doesn't always come wrapped in the package that we want. It doesn't always come in the timing that we want. And sometimes the truth is, you and I get stuff that we want, we get stuff that we're believing for, we get stuff that we wanted all along, and then our response to, the, to that is like, that's too good to be true, or I don't like the wrapping, or you know, like, God, I prayed for that a long time ago, I don't want that now. So then we come up with these little phrases in culture like, be careful what you wish for, because maybe one day you'll get everything that you want. Maybe the problem with getting everything you want is not the fact that that's not really what you wanted, it's just that your attitude sucks. So we should look at life, right, as a gift. We should look at whatever God brings to us as a gift. And we talked about that last week, that we can, we can choose to see life that way. But how more, how much more should we look at the, the, the things that we've asked God for in our life that way? Like, God, I've been believing, you know, one day I want this and I want that. And I want my life to look like this. I want my life to, to look like that. There's a, there's a great story called the uh, Sword of Damocles. And it's an ancient kind of uh, story told by Cicero. And he talks about how there's this great king. There's this great king and one of his servants was like, man, your life must be so amazing. Your life must be, you know, you just, everyone comes in and they just bow at your feet. And the king's name was Damocles. And, and everyone comes and they just bow at your feet and they just, they just love you and you don't have any trouble, you don't have any issues. And so the king said to him, he said, would you like to, would you like to, to sit where I sit for a day? And the servant said, well, of course. And so the Damocles arranged this great feast 
says, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get together and we're going to show this guy what it's like to be king. And so they, they, put, they put together this all-day feast. The guy's just, you know, thinking in his mind. He's living the, the king's life, okay, sitting at the chair. All of a sudden he looks up and there's a, there's a giant sword hanging above his head. And the sword is hanging on by literally a hair. And uh, Damocles says, you wanted to see what it was like to be a king. This is how I feel all the time. It's like I'm just a hair's width away from dying. How cynical is that? A way to approach life. But that's sometimes we, we're so blessed. Like God's, God's done so much to bless us in our life. He's, he's done, and, we, and we still continue to go through life like, well, you know, blessings and burdens. Everything's just a little bit burdensome for me right now. And, you know, I know I'm a millionaire, but, you know, everything else isn't going that well. It's like, God, I know, like, again, look at Zechariah. So you and I just like Zechariah, have the power to bless people and have the power to curse people. One of the things that I've seen is whenever we decide to live on the negative side of life, our voice means nothing to anybody. Whenever, like you look at, you look at, you know, I love the Teddy Roosevelt, um, the man in the arena quote. He talks about it's not the critic who counts, not the, not the, uh, the weak man who points out how the strong man stumbles, it's the man in the arena. So, so, None of us really care what people that are all that negative and critical have to say because we know they just hang out there anyway. This is Zechariah. He's supposed to be the priest. He's supposed to be the leader. He's supposed to be the guy that's saying, God's for us. God's on our side. God's going to bless us. God's going to do all these amazing things for us. We're supposed to be that in our families, right? We're supposed to be that in the world that we live in. We're supposed to be people that are bringing all of the hope and all of the optimism and all of the great things that God wants to continue to do. But things aren't going to get worse. They're going to get better. We're the people that are supposed to believe that and bring that. But it requires us to have the right kind of attitude in our own life and in our own situation. So on one hand, we're like, believe in God, like God, move in this country, please just move in this country. And then at the same time, we go through life and our attitude is absolutely awful. Like we're like, God, I, you know, I hope we don't, God, help us not crash the plane. I know I'm going to point it right into the ground, but just help it not crash, Lord. Makes no sense, right? It's like understand you and I every day like have the power to choose our attitude. We have the power to choose where we decide to point things. Optimism is not something that is good to have. It's absolutely necessary to live life, to believe that the future is going to be better than the past, to believe that God wants to do great things in us and through us, to believe that our, pra- our prayers are not just going to be answered, but our prayers are going to be answered yes, and that there's going to be open doors for us. And if the door's not open, then there's a window open. And if the door's cracked, we're just going to kick it down. Like we're just going to do whatever it is that we can and believe because people are relying on our voice and our action. And so Zechariah, because he was in his own way, wasn't allowed to influence other people. Let's not be those kind of people. God has a great, God has a great plan for this earth. He has a great plan for our life. And you know what? It's his plan. It's not my plan. Like he wrote the book. I'm a character in the book right now. I'm just a part of the story. So maybe I should just play my part and have the right kind of attitude about the part I get to play and let God, t- let God take care of everything else that he can take care of. Because the, my destiny, the door to my destiny opening um, relies on the hinge of my attitude. Hey, let me pray for you. Um, Whenever they can hear me, just to bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Because one of the, one of the reasons why people that follow Jesus 
can have optimism is because we believe that there's a plan that's bigger than us. There's a God that's bigger than us that created everything. There's, there's rationality that rules the universe and there's a plan of God and that plan is expressed in the person of Jesus. That's what this season is all about. This isn't just religion for us. This is really belief, deep conviction in our heart as it relates to um, the, the reason that we can have hope. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to our channel on iTunes and YouTube. That way you know when a new sermon has been uploaded. Also, if this message has impacted you and you want to contribute to help us reach more people, feel free to go to elevate.life forward slash give. We look forward to seeing you here next time.